Hello and welcome to the How to Talk to Girls podcast. This is your host, Trip from tripadvice.com. And I got something really special for you today. On today's episode, I'm going to be speaking to author Olivia Fox Cobain. Maybe you've heard of her. She wrote the book, which is very popular, by the way, called The Charisma Myth. And she is the go-to expert on charisma. If there's anyone who knows charisma better than anyone, it is this lady right here. And Olivia is going to be dishing out some awesome tips from her book, some of the best stuff that's in the book. And I've read it. It is seriously excellent. I highly suggest that after you listen to this podcast, you go to Amazon and you buy it. It's called, again, The Charisma Myth. But on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about how to be more charismatic with women. And she's going to be explaining how to do that. There's all these different types of charisma out there, which I had no idea, by the way. I mean, I did a little bit from the book, but she goes more in depth about how you, as a guy trying to attract girls, can tap into the right type of seductive charisma. So check this out right now. Me and Olivia, Olivia and I talking about how you can be more charismatic in situations to get girls interested in you. And that's what she says. She says that charisma is all about getting people to like you. And that's what we want. But here's something really cool. She talks about this technique on how to get girls trying to convince you that she is a sexual being. Usually it's the other way around, right? Like we're always the guys trying to convince girls you know, trying to get them to like us, but no, there's a special technique that gets that actually gets the girl trying to convince you that you should like her. It's really cool stuff. So here it is, my interview with Olivia Fox Cobain, author of The Charisma Myth. Hey Olivia, thanks for coming on the podcast today. It's a pleasure. Yes, it's so exciting to have you. Now, like I I I mentioned previously in the introduction that you are the author of The Charisma Myth, which is a very fantastic book. I just want to know, what, what compelled you to write a book like this, and, and how did you get these words on the page? What was the story behind that? <laughs> I wish I could say that I, I woke up one morning and I'm like, I've I got to write a book. But uh, in fact, Penguin came to me. Um, I think the reason is that if you're looking for... Um, if you're looking for an expert on charisma who actually has some hard science and um, who can talk about the practical side, there's pretty much me and that's it. So I think that's that's why. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, why do you say that? Why do I say that uh, that I'm the main expert on charisma? Yeah. Um, well, what's interesting, especially, is that since the Charisma Myth came out and did so well, now you've got a dozen other books that show up on Amazon that are called Charisma and Myth, another one that is called the Charisma Myth. Um, and and the, the model of presence, power, and warmth uh, seems to have been uh, now uh, adopted and co-opted. Uh, but uh, when the book was written, there were academics, um, there were researchers, and then on the other side, there were the self-help fluff uh, that essentially says, stand up straight and smile. And that wouldn't get you uh, anywhere. And so there wasn't anyone uh, who had combined those two, the practical, here's what it means in real life, and the research papers, which I had to go through piles and piles of academic research journals. So there have been a lot of, there has been a lot of academic research on on what exactly? What, what did you find? What did these journals say? What, what were they talking about? What were the topics? 
Well, so what's interesting is that um, uh, a lot of the charisma research is recent. And the reason for this is that Charisma has always be, been seen as somewhat dangerous. Uh, one of the um, the first, uh, one of the main figures of American psychology, and I can find his name, it's, it's in the book somewhere, uh, who had escaped from Nazi Germany and so who saw charisma as something extremely dangerous and something to stay away from. And so there was, it was kind of this taboo subject um, until I'd say it began in the 80s where charisma started to be studied both in the business setting, in the everyday life setting. And that's when researchers were able, in control laboratory experiments, to raise or lower people's level of charisma as if they were turning a dial. Wow. That's, that's, and that can be used to potentially manipulate and, yeah. and lie, it, right? Um, let me put it this way. Charisma is like intelligence. It's a skill. It's a, well, <laughs> now I've just said intelligence is a skill. Um, uh, charisma, um, like intelligence, can be used for good or for bad. It's just like the, the, if you take a knife in the hands of a surgeon, it can save your life. In the hands of a murderer, it'll take your life. So charisma is neither good nor bad per se. The question is really what you're going to do with it. Absolutely. So let's let's go back to the basics here for a second. For the guy who's listening, he might have an idea of what charisma is, but how would you define it? Everyone has a slightly different definition. I like it, the more practical one of charisma is that quality that makes people like you and want to do whatever you want to do. Um, it's also the quality that uh, makes people go, when you walk into a room, it makes people go, wow, who's that? It's, um, it's the quality charismatic leaders, um, and it, there's fascinating business re research um, that they have tremendous success at work uh, percentage-wise in comparison to non-charismatic leaders. And by now, the researchers had certain ability to uh, measure charisma. But as I said, everyone had their own scale. And how do you think, what do you think charisma looks like? Um, you know, you said someone can walk into a room and you're like, wow, that person has charisma. You know, I can imagine you would see the president of the United States walk into a room and, and talk to people and be like, wow, he's charismatic. What, what does charisma look like? Well, it depends because there's so many different forms of charisma. I was only able to put four in the book, but there are many more. Um, you can have the superstar charisma um, that that one's really hard to acquire. You can have the sex appeal, seductive charisma. Well, guess what? Not all of us are Marilyn Monroe, uh, but some are easier to acquire. Authority charisma, kindness charisma, uh, focus charisma, those no problem. And so it's really a question of what charisma style is going to be the most natural to you. Um, which one can you acquire the the, can I say in English, the easiest? Yeah, the easiest. Yeah, that makes sense. So what do you think in terms of guys trying to meet women? Is it any of those type of charisma? Well, this is what's difficult. Yeah, sorry. Um, what's difficult is that it's um, the three components of charisma, um, presence, power, and warmth. And it, it really depends on which elements what blend you're starting with because all three elements must be present 
um, they're just in, in different categories. Now, um, I would recommend, um, with guys that if, if they have had the experience of systematically, and this is only for those who, um, have been systematically friend zoned, um, they should dial down the kindness charisma and dial up um, the power charisma and um, bring in more of the teasing aspect. Uh, if um, someone once summarized it as if you treat a girl as you would treat your kid sister, um, that'll give you an idea of the blend of affection but, uh, but poking fun at that works well for um, flirt teasing. I find that interesting too because it's almost counterintuitive. You would think, you know, a guy might be like, wait a minute, I don't want to treat a girl that I like like my <laughs> sister. She's my sister. That's not, you know, but you're saying that in this case, that does actually work to attract a girl or get her a little bit interested, right? Yes, here's why. Um, you know the same way that it's there. There seems to be a growing consensus that men's um, sexual preferences are very influenced by the period in their life where they had their first sexual experiences. Well, in the same way, girls go through a stage where um, they'll have a crush on some uh, older boy who sees them as a kid sister. Yeah, treats them as a kid sister, and all she wants to do is prove to him. Um, that she is actually a sexual being. So if you treat her like a kid sister, in many ways you send her back to that time when her goal was to prove herself a sexually attractive being. So all of a sudden, that's become a subconscious goal. Right, and I think that's so powerful because I think on the other end, a lot of guys are trying to do that. They're trying to prove themselves to be a sexual yeah. being to the girl. Oh, yeah. No, Trim, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, charisma isn't about you. It's, it's not about, yeah, it's how you make people feel about you, but it's so much more how you make them feel about themselves. So it's really about um, how you make her feel and being very strategic as to how those experiences are going to affect her intentions. So it's all about how she feels in the interaction about herself. Yes. Yes, that's, exactly. That's really cool. Can you give us maybe off the top of your head any example of what that might look like? I mean, okay, we kind of said this idea of, of her uh, trying to almost convince the guy that she's a sexual being. Um, what else is there? Uh, what else is there in the, in the teasing or what else can oh, I recommend to guys for? I guess, uh, yeah, what can you recommend in terms of? Of or not even tips right now. I'm just kind of trying to understand more about this idea of how someone feels about themselves in an interaction. That's kind of what you just said. Got it. So what that? Okay. What, what more about what that looks like? So um, a lot of your listeners are going to hate this. I'm sorry, but one of the single most effective techniques that you can uh, try, and you it, you can try a very short one, but it is meditation. Um, the ability to be present, to be with whatever it is that is happening at the moment really gives you a gravitas mm -hmm. that sets you apart from most other people who are, who are not very present. So if all you do is just five minutes in the morning, you can't tell me you don't have five minutes, 
uh, wake up five minutes earlier if you must, but uh, is five minutes of meditation. Um, and I'm happy to, to uh, I'll send by email some recommendations of, of good places to, um, Headspace is a good app to start. Um, if all you do is take up five minutes of meditation, you, you've already increased your ability to be charismatic tenfold. That's really cool. Yeah, I talk about meditation a little bit. How do you see that kind of transpire into an interaction? So let's say a guy says, okay, I'm going to start meditating. He's doing it five minutes every morning. Maybe he even gets up to 10 minutes in, in the morning. What happens there to himself that causes him to be uh, more present in the interaction? Like what's going on there? Well, there's many different benefits, actually. Um, so let's start with uh, getting comfortable with discomfort. One of the things that meditation does is, of course, um, it forces you to uh, confront the inside of your own head. Most people run away from that. And, um, and so it'll get you used to being uncomfortable and being okay being uncomfortable. This is absolutely critical because as you learn to handle whatever emotion arises in meditation, and believe me, you will get amazingly strong emotions arising seemingly out of nowhere. Then when you're on a date and for example, something goes wrong and you feel it's a total failure, well, now instead of, uh, of believing that emotion and having the date spiral out of control or just crash and burn, now you know how to handle that emotion better and, uh, and you'll be able to bounce back. Um, you'll, uh, it's so effective in helping people handle the fear of rejection because one of the biggest uh, things that you have to confront in meditation is fear. It's the fear of what's, what is inside your head that you've been using distractions to run away from. Um, and in addition, if we're looking at charisma specifically, the ability to bring yourself back to the present moment is something that you learn through meditation. And it's one of the keys to charisma. You're on a date, you realize your attention has been wandering, bring yourself back. And the ability to stay present for most of the date gives you that gravitas. And a woman can feel that. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's no question. And um, I, now I'm at a stage where I'm so comfortable that um, when when I meet a guy who has that, I'm like, oh, you're one of the real ones. And then I cut the small talk and I go straight to deep conversations because this is someone I know is comfortable with the insides of his head and with with whatever happens in the moment. And that's interesting. I want to paint that picture too. You know, I want to paint that picture of when you meet a guy who you're like, whoa. Like, I like yeah, that you said I'm that weird. he's one of the real nah, it, Honestly, you don't want to take me for, for a model because I'm a socially inept, awkward introvert uh, girl. And I'm, I'm not sure if that's, uh, that's who they want to date. Well, yeah, you'd actually, be, uh, you'd actually be surprised because there's a lot of women out there who are introverts. And I think that guys are interested in them. So, so let's just go for it. You know, what is it that you see in a guy that you're like, oh, oh, yeah, this guy right here? So first step is, um, is comfort and, um, and someone who's fully present, who's completely attentive to you, um, that already establishes a bond, a connection. Um, and women are less afraid of intimacy. So the fact that that connection is so much more intimate plays in your fa favor. I had a problem. So, I, oh, <laughs> I don't think I've ever said this anywhere before. All um, right, let's do it. So 
I wrote the charisma book about the the way I learned charisma. And uh, let's be clear, I'm not Bill Clinton or Marilyn Monroe. I've just learned enough charisma to be able to function it, to function well. Um, but I essentially I said, okay, that whole social skills thing, uh, clearly I don't understand it. I got to learn it. So fixed it. And it now works. And uh, once that was done, um, I decided to fix my dating life. And um, my goal was, before I settled down, I wanted a harem of, of uh, gorgeous boys. And so I said, all right, well, let me research this whole dating thing and, um, and, uh, and experiment and build a system and fix that. Um, because I was looking for a very specific kind of... Um, of different committed relationships. It, it was a, I wanted a harem. It was a really specific <laughs> I mean, listen, I build. think there's guys out there who also would love a harem of beautiful women. Well, it's, it's in your case, I, I'm not sure if I can give the same advice, but uh, in my case, um, the, this ability to create an extremely strong, intimate uh, bond very quickly is something that uh, backfires if you're trying to seduce a guy, because guys run away from intimacy, but it's something that will be a huge plus when you're trying to seduce a girl. So that ability to be fully present um, will really, it, it's really one of the keys. Um, so that's comfort. Then you should start introducing the teasing element little by little as comfort grows. Um, and, um, and also encourage mutual disclosure. Little by little, you don't start with your major childhood trauma. Um, you drop little moments of vulnerability, of self-disclosure here or there, but you wait to see how she responds. Does she self-disclose to match it? Um, then you can progress a little bit later to a little bit more. So that, I guess that would be my recipe. Presence, teasing, vulnerability, repeat. Yeah, I like that. It's like the charisma sequence. Here comes, yeah. here comes the sequel. Exactly. I'll write your foreword for you. Don't worry. Thanks. No, I, th I think uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm done writing books uh, with, with this one for a while. No, that's great. I like that. I just want to repeat that again. So it's this idea of being present, which is going to um, – this is, this is how I'm interpreting it. Uh, you be present with them. You really be in the moment with them. You're not thinking in your head, but you're thinking kind of – outwardly what's going on in front of you and exactly. that's going to that's gonna build comfort because we're going to see that you're comfortable and you're not so nervous inside of your head freaking out and also sorry i forgot to say it yeah. also gives a perception of confidence yes. because it is palpable that you are confident enough to be present in the moment you're not running away in your head sure absolutely if you show that you're comfortable with the girl they're going to, that's what they're going to assume. They're going to say in their head, this guy's confident. Some might say, wow, he's really comfortable with women. But I think they're just going to interpret that as, yeah, this guy's confident. Yeah. Right. So I like that. So yeah, comfort, getting them comfortable with you, that shows your confidence. And then teasing them a little bit, which has this way of getting them to convince you that they're a sexual being. And also I yeah. think teasing... Is, is another way of showing you're comfortable. I think a lot of guys Yes, are so it shows your confidence, absolutely. When you're confident enough to tease a girl, it must mean that you're someone who gets girls, therefore. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you're not afraid, you're not afraid to lose it. You know? Exactly. You're not afraid to, to you know, a, a guy who's, who won't tease a girl or joke around, they're not doing it because they're scared of that rejection. That's what yeah. I think. Yeah. Right, and then, and then I see, this is what I'd call this. I used to call this, um, 
is deep comfort. And then you you say vulnerability. I call that like deep comfort where like you can be vulnerable with someone so you get to the point where they're they're not just comfortable with you. It's like beyond that. They, they're starting to feel a connection with you, right? Is that yeah. what you're kind of saying when you can be more vulnerable and talk about some of the deeper stuff and not – and not be afraid. You know, I think a lot of guys out there think you got to be showing off and you got to be a little bit arrogant, but women pick up on that and they think of that as an insecurity. What do you think? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's the whole difference between being perceived as uh, cocky and arrogant and probably overcompensating uh, versus being perceived as comfortable and confident. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. I like that. So let's talk more There's, about. Well, go ahead. Just one more thing. Yeah, There's please. nothing worse that you can do on a date than lay down your resume. Talking about your accomplishments, um, especially ad nauseum for most of the date, is is the uh, is the epitome of a very bad date. So yeah. So why why is that? I, I understand that, but I kind of want to hear it from your point of view, like why that's Oh, it's, well, it's just, it's just back to the, um, A, it's going to be boring. B, you're going to be coming across as either arrogant or insecure or both, um, and possibly even clinically narcissistic. So any girl with a, a healthy emotional uh, makeup, which is what you want, is going to run a mile. So what would be better to talk about, you think? Well, that's interesting. Um, so here I can only give you my perspective, what worked um, for me. Um, I have a tendency, because I create that kind of cocoon um, of, of safety around people, um, they start, they just pour out their, 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 their entire psyche. They, they, it's like they hand me their brain and go here. Um, and in my coaching practice, that's awesome because that's exactly what I need clients to do. Um, in dating, that was a real problem. And so what I did was I was um, frequently bringing in the physical environment around us. And this would be, I mean, obviously, you'd, you'd need to be able to make a witty remark, but bringing in or mentioning the physical environment was a good way and is still a good way um, of getting people out of their heads and into the moment. Right. I also think along with that is, you know, you say this idea of resume and I hear resume, I hear facts, you know, and. Oh yeah. Talk possibilities, not fact. Yeah. Ooh, do do well, imaginative do scenarios. Absolutely. Give, yeah. Give me an example of that. How do you mean by that? Um, well, let's say you're in a car, you're, uh, you're driving to an event or whatever. And, um, and you see a bunch of uh, trees or forest and, and um, you can start saying, well, see, um, if we're in caveman times, um, you'd be doing X, Y, Z while I, A, B, C, uh, right here. And so right then and there, you've given her a mental image of something. And remember, the brain doesn't really distinguish between imagination and reality. They, it, it, they affect it the same way. And so she has seen a reality where the two of you are clearly a couple um, and are already um, living together, which remember to girls is attractive. Uh, so, and has also given a very primal element. So that's a, a good example of an imaginary scenario. That's cool. That's cool. And then, yeah, there's a lot of emotions involved in that, you know, and I think that kind of goes to this idea of vulnerability is like, you're talking more about emotional aspects than just, and then just resume stuff. 
Yeah. And that, that I feel in my case, it seems to generate um, more of an interesting, deeper conversation when you can get someone feeling something than just hearing something. Yes. Yeah. You know, that's cool. So let's talk about this for a second. You know, the book is called The Charisma Myth. And so I guess my question is, why is that? Why, why that title? What's the myth? So the myth is that charisma is this innate magical uh, quality. You either have it or you don't. If you don't have it, you're screwed. In fact, um, it's absolutely a learned behavior. The reason that it's perceived as innate is because it's usually learned uh, very early in life. So by the time uh, people are known as charismatic, well, they've been practicing this skill for a couple of decades, um, but it is learnable. Who are these people you think that don't think, uh, how do I say this, they haven't practiced it as a skill and they're just charismatic people? Why are those people charismatic? Well, that has a lot to do simply with uh, genetics. That's the personality that you're born with and then there's a, the personality that uh, gets shaped. Um, it's the, the whole nature and nurture in this case. Um, Marilyn Monroe and Bill Clinton are, are two good examples um, of people who, Bill Clinton is known to, I think it was his kindergarten teacher said that he's three years old and she's seeing him in the playground going from kid to kid saying, hi, I'm Bill. What's your name? The kid is three. So he starts with that. He's going to grow up to be the phenomenon that we know uh, today. Um, so I'd say it's, it's, it's really a combination of, um, of luck and happenstance, <laughs> sorry, no. of genes and luck. Yeah, no, totally. I, I also, yeah, I, I think, yeah, some people are, are born into more of a social community, you know, they were bred to be that way. Yeah. You know, like you, I mean, that's, that's basically the nurture aspect of it, right, is, is, you know, they grew up around a lot of people. Imagine if you grew up in a very small town, something like that. You don't get a lot of chances to practice your charisma. Yeah. You know, you don't get a lot yeah. of practice socializing. So it might well, be tough and for also, someone like that. Um, I'm assuming that uh, a large uh, part uh, of your audience is in technical pr professions, in science and engineering and math and um, and anything to do yeah, with, with I, finance. I do come across a lot of guys who are in engineering or IT or tech or accountants, things like that. So I well, do, here's I have the thing, seen that a lot. Uh, and I'm sure there are others, but um, if you've grown up in a family, and that's often the case, um, where one or both parents were themselves nerds, then you're certainly not going to have a model from which to learn charisma as a young child. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you, can't, you can't model that. Right? Yeah. And because, yeah, a lot of those jobs, they don't necessarily require you to do a lot of socializing or networking. I mean, I'm generalizing here. I'm sure, I'm sure some do in some aspect, but a lot of it is, you know, sitting at your desk and doing work and putting your head down, you know, whereas someone in, in real estate, excuse me, someone in like real estate doing something like that, that's a very social profession. You have to network, you have to be out there, you have to be talking to a lot of people. So that would require something like that. True. Um, that being said, it's really fascinating what role charisma plays in areas that where you, you really wouldn't think 
um, in scientific research, um, for example, in uh, well, in the army, I'm sure I'm sure that um, that you can understand. But um, doctors, lawyers, bankers, it's it has been studied now across an incredible array of professions, and I'm not sure we've ever found one um, where charisma didn't make a difference unless there was no face-to-face contact. That's the only case in which uh, the charisma myth is is not going to give you email charisma. Right, right. So you're saying it's more about face-to-face interacting with people. Yeah. Got it. Okay, cool. So let's go into some more uh, cool tips or techniques or anything that you could think of off the top of your head, maybe from your book that you described that does help someone become more charismatic. I know we talked a little bit about about teasing, vulnerability, about um, meditation and being more present within. What else have you discussed in your book that, that helps people build this skill? Well, I'm thinking whether some of the visualizations would be useful specifically for dating. Um, and obviously, I'm not sure since uh, dating girls is not something that I've focused on as much. Um, but now, yeah, when you say visualizations, these guys don't know yet what what we're talking about. So, because we talked about this earlier before we got on the call, uh, what visualizations were you referring to? Well, there's there's quite a few. Um, there are some. Oh, what are visualizations? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Define, okay. Yeah, because I think the guys are are like, well, what's their visualization? What are they talking about? Well, you can can call it, uh, so visualization is is the name that um, is used in sports. Um, You can also call it imaging or method acting. It's all the same thing. Essentially, it's imagining yourself in the scenario um, that you're going to be in and imagining it going the way you want. And the more detailed you are, the more effective it will be. So you have to get the five senses involved. You have to uh, feel the, the, the wind on your face if you're outside, for example. Um, you have to smell the, the, the barbecue or the tofu roasting. Um, and the more detailed they are, the more sensory rich they are, the more impactful they'll be. I like that. I like that. So you're really putting yourself, picturing yourself, doing this in a positive light. Now, I have a question here. And, and you know, it makes me curious because I've heard about this stuff before. But doesn't that, doesn't that change or, 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 I guess, make the argument of, isn't that not being present if you're doing something like that? I mean, where's the, where's the, where do you draw the line between being present and, and visualization? Well, let's be clear. You do these visualizations before the date, not during the date. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. I just want to make sure, you know, guys aren't getting too much in their head or, or getting, yeah, but, no, but, that's you're, but you're making it positive. The date. Okay. Right. Yeah, this is this is to um, these visualizations are so every time you think a thought, all over your brain, new structures, physical structures are being um, are being created. Thoughts are physical things, and um, all the visualizations are doing is, is building pathways um, to 
that that show we have already done X, Y, and Z. And so your brain then starts feeling, oh, but we already went through this scenario and it turned out, well, we're fine. Hence the confidence. Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. And also, it's just a lot of guys are probably not doing that. Most people, <laughs> most people don't naturally visualize something going well. It's always the default mode, I believe, of people to think, well, what if this happens? What if the no one ever says what if on a positive thing? You know, no one says, well, what if I just kill it on this date? I mean, sure, it yeah. might happen from time to time, but I think people go negative very fast. Yes. Now, let's be clear. Um, even when you're doing a positive visualization, um, and by the way, the negative is called catastrophizing, and it's a legacy of our survival instincts. Um, but even when you're doing a positive one, uh, focus on the process, not on the outcome. Rather than focusing on, uh, well, what if I kill it on this date? What next? Don't focus on the result. Focus on each moment of how it's going to go well. Yeah, putting yourself, like you said, in that situation, all yeah. five senses right there and 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 it going well in the moment. You're basically... It's, it's you're being present in your thoughts of that moment, not what's going to happen afterward. Yeah. And the other thing is when your brain inevitably uh, suggests negative scenarios, because it will, your job is to immediately jump in and think, okay, well, if that happens, what would be a cool, confident way of handling that? And then you visualize the response to the event. Oh, cool. I like that. That's powerful. Thank you. 